Have you been wanting to start music lessons but didn't have the time or the resources to commit to regular lessons? Music on the Move Studios now has do-it-yourself music education classes, video courses designed to teach you the basics of voice and guitar on your own time. With each video class ranging from 5 to 10 minutes, there's no reason you can't learn a new musical skill. Each course covers the first month's worth of lessons, and at the end of 30 days, you get a free mini lesson with either myself or Aaron to ask whatever questions you may have, along with a free consultation for your next steps as a musician. Go to musiconthemovestudios.com slash music education to find out more. Use code Paradox Jukebox to get $35 off. That's code Paradox Jukebox, all one word, to get $35 off your first class. Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, an unconventional podcast for the unconventional music lover, brought to you by Music on the Move Studios, a woman-led company working to help musicians move their careers forward through education and live events. I'm your host, Katie Thompson, and I am so incredibly blessed to have you here. It is episode 30, and we are wrapping season one. Wow, such an amazing thing for me. I I kind of can't believe it, guys. Uh, this is this is my first season of doing a podcast ever. First podcast that I've ever launched. And here we are, episode 30, and I'm super excited about it. And there's before we actually get into the episode, there's a couple of things that I'd like to talk to you about. So, first and foremost, if you do us a big solid and you go to Apple iTunes and you leave us a review and you screenshot it and then you can send it to us via Paradox Shootbox on Instagram or you can even email it if you want to, Katie at Music on the Move Studios. But if you go and leave us a review, you screenshot it and then send it to us, we will put you in a drawing for a Music on the Move Studios grab bag. So stickers, probably some other cool stuff in there and we have some merch that we'll probably throw in so if you want a music on the move studios grab bag then please go to apple itunes leave us a review screenshot it send it and then we will put your name in the drawing for a grab bag so have to get that out of the way it would really mean a lot to us at paradox shootbox because your reviews help us get more listeners and I would love to see our listenership grow exponentially come 2022 when we lease uh, season two so again thank you to everybody who has been consistently listening to this podcast and listening to all of the amazing artists that we have had on it really is just it's a blessing and I I'm speaking for myself but I know Aaron is very proud of this podcast too I am incredibly proud of the work that I have done and also very grateful to all of the artists that have taken the time out of their day to share their music with us and even especially to the artists who let us do a you know a first run of a single you know so letting us debut some of their music uh, that's that's huge. That and and thank you so much for trusting us here at Paradox Jukebox with your music. We greatly appreciate it. All right, so let's talk about this episode for a second. So Erin decided that she wanted to turn the tides on me and she wanted to interview me so that our listener base could learn more about who I am as a musician and my experiences. 
and they're pretty vast. And, you know, sometimes we kind of forget about the cool stuff that we've done in our life because we're so busy, you know, in the middle of life. So it was fun to kind of take a look back at some of the amazing things that I've had the privilege to do. And I'm just very blessed that Aaron wanted to do this. So without any further ado, I'm going to play you a little bit of my song, Choose Love. That was off of my 2017 EP. And I have to give a shout out to Mark Abrams, who has been on this podcast. Thank you so much, Mark, again, for your work on this EP with me. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So here's Choose Love. It's not real anyway But what kind of lives will our children have If the violence and fear continue to spread They are too young to bury the dead Why can't we choose love Welcome to Paradox Jukebox. I am not your host, Katie Thompson. In fact, I am her business partner, Aaron McClendon, taking over Paradox Jukebox today because we thought it'd be a great idea if you actually got to know the host with the most, Miss Katie Thompson. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> How are you, friend? Good. This feels so weird. <laughs> I know. And it was your sister's idea. Uh, leave it to <laughs> Leslie. Thanks, sister. But it was a really great idea because what she pointed out was, yeah, okay, you guys do a lot of talking to other people, but we don't actually get to know you. So why don't you just talk to Katie instead of her talking to you? And I was like, yes, that. Let's do that. <laughs> great idea. All of that. <laughs> yes. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I think if I sing any more of that, we'll be hit with some copyright infringement or something <laughs> music right. licensing Rawr. Right. anyway katie how yes. are you today i am good it's been a it's been a lovely day um i spent it actually fixing one of my students guitars and that's always fun. it's cathartic i like doing work on guitars so but it's it's a wee little baby guitar so everything's Aww. like super tiny and i'm like don't drop it don't drop it you know <laughs> it's like a little elf guitar it is it's it's you're adorable. the guitar elf oh my god 
Oh, that's an idea we need to run with. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) If we do a Christmas special, we will be taking roles and Katie will be the guitar elf. I shall be the guitar elf. I don't know what I'm going to be outside of a sugar plum fairy, but here we are. (laughs) It's fine. We'll figure it out then. Yeah. Yeah, we shall. That's another business idea. Trinity, write it down. Where's Trinity? She's not here. (laughs) (laughs) Wally, you're next. Wally, Wally, you're next in line. Write something down. Earn your keep in this house. (laughs) Anyway, so Katie, we're going to talk about you today and about your music. And one of the cool things I love so much about your music is you play everybody's music, literally everyone's. You play guitar, you play drums, and you play for all these other people. But when it comes to your music, it's your own unique sound that you've labeled as whiskey rock. And yep. (laughs) Yeah. And you play with your sister in Lucky Penny Sisters, obviously, but you also have your own solo stuff too, right? I do. Yeah. So I I tend to, I tend to like playing more with other musicians. Um, Solo stuff is, I mean, I'll do it and I have done it and it's fun, but I, I just love having the connection on stage with people. But yeah, when Leslie and I play our our music together, we consider it pretty much whiskey rock. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that can be attributed to where it all started with you, right? Uh, yeah. Um, not just whiskey though, like not an alcoholic. <laughs> I just want to put this out there. <laughs> well, when you hear the word whiskey rock, you get a very distinctive sound and picture in your head. And yeah. especially like, if you know, Katie, you're like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Not because she's an alcoholic or anything, <laughs> but because like whiskey rock is like, oh, it's this dirty, gritty, old timey kind of sound, this classic yes. sound, not old timey. It doesn't sound like you're coming through a busted up speaker. <laughs> It's classic because you're a huge fan of the classics. We were talking about it the other day on my interview Mm -hmm. on, on like the deep cut 10 years ago, Brandy Clark, whatever. Um, but man, we should, we should really get some money from Brandy Clark for giving her so much free. We should, should. (laughs) but we, but like, you're a huge fan of like Elvis and sister Rosetta Tharp and, all of these other huge artists from that like rockabilly era yeah. and your whole aesthetic can be like, it, it can be defined as pinup girl mixed with Rosie the Riveter. Yeah. In modern day times. Thank you. I'll take that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> little hair flip. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely. So, I mean, I grew up listening to, you know, Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly, and uh, I didn't actually really get introduced to Sister Rosetta Tharp until college uh, when I had to do a, like a super deep dive on that music. It was part of our, our music lit course, but my, my grandparents were champion jitterbug dancers. And so, you know, in their house, which I spent a lot of my time at in the summer, uh, we were listening to 50s and 60s doo-wop music. And so that's that's where my love of harmony came from and, you know, and rhythm, especially because, you know, that bass man's always, you know, you know, and and my grandfather was actually um, he was in a do up group when he was a teenager and he sang bass. And so rhythm was like a really big part of him. And I think that's that's how that kind of got transferred to me. So literally um, in your genetics, literally in my genetics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you were always destined to be a drummer at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's real. And my mom, it, it was so weird. Just, um, just a couple of weeks ago, we had this conversation she said, I knew from the time that you were 
toddler, I knew you're going to be a musician. She goes, because nothing excited you as much as music did. She said, somebody would turn on the radio and you would just go ballistic. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like, and you always had to be like, somebody always had to pick you up and dance with you. You'd walk around to all the adults going, ah, ah, like pick me up, <laughs> dance with me. So I honestly, like 100% believe that, but like, I'm just imagining little baby Katie walking around to people going, dance with me, please. Meanwhile, today, Katie would never do that. (laughs) No, no, Uh, no. Okay, so I was (laughs) I was a really terrible child, honestly. Uh, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone to to just anybody. It would have either been my mother, my grandmother or my grandpa, uh, possibly my dad. But I was a spoiled ass brat. And my mother will tell you. Because I didn't, I didn't like people. I still don't really like people, but that's beside the point. I, that hasn't changed. But I, I was very picky about the people that I would go to. And since there was always music around, it was either one of those, you know, few people that I'd be like, come dance. Let's do this. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cute. Yeah. Um, your whole family, though, I feel like is super musical. Because like you said, your your grandparents were jitterbug champions. Yeah. And then your sister is obviously very musical. Um, and then there's you. And how many other people in your family sing or play music or anything like that? Well, Mama Kim sang uh, quite a bit when she was younger. She... Um... I guess she might have been in a band or two, but it nothing like super crazy. Her her grandfather, my great grandfather Everett, was just he was just like Kimmy, you got to go to Nashville, you got to go to Nashville, and she never did. She you know she met my dad and then had the three of us. But no, mom, uh, mom was actually a, a church musician for a long time. She played piano and sang. And, um, and she taught me to read music. Uh, that, that was my first experience. She actually taught me how to read notes and basic rhythms. And then once I got into school and, you know, started taking band in like fifth grade and stuff, my, my rhythmic ability just kind of really took off from there. That's awesome. I didn't know that she taught you to read music. Yeah. That's very cool. Nobody ever taught me to read music. They were just like, yeah, just go pound the piano for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Okay. (laughs) that's so cool so um growing up what what one of the like coolest and funniest things about you that I learned not too long ago is you're super into cars oh my god yeah and that (laughs) went hand in hand with listening to music with your grandpa because you'd sit in his garage and listen to music and he would fix hot rods right yeah that's it yep that's where the love of motors and all that kind of stuff came from and then also my dad who's a master mechanic I've I've worked on cars with my dad since I was a child and also and and also we work on motorcycles together because his family owned a vintage motorcycle dealership for a hot minute like back in the 60s they they were a bsa dealer and then bsa got bought out but but yeah my dad has always been uh, a motorhead and i turned into one too yeah that's so cool uh i mean you know my husband matt is into cars and all that kind of stuff and i've like i think they're pretty <laughs> <laughs> i can acknowledge when a car is pretty and when it sounds good and when it doesn't yeah um but people who are like super into cars, it's really fascinating to watch them just like light up when they start talking about it because you see that same passion in musicians. And yeah. so it's just, I think people who love cars get along really well with people who love music because the passions are there. They're the same. 
They are. Well, and, you know, if you ever go to a vintage car show, they're always playing that classic 50s and 60s music. So, you know, cars and music for me, I mean, there's no better pairing. I was actually just uh, at a car show, I don't know, couple of days ago and I'm running around um, and I'm like, Oh, look at this one. Oh, look at this one. Oh, oh my God. And of course my <laughs> friend's just like, what, what is it? Who cares? I'm like, I care. Bye. And you know, I just, <laughs> I just run over to this. The, it was a beautiful, beautiful Cobra that I, I wish Ooh. I could even tell you more about it. I have no idea what year it was or anything. It was just really pretty. Uh, well, dude, I, I'm, I know what a Cobra is. Perfect. So <laughs> I can acknowledge that. Yes, that's a very pretty car. It's a very pretty car. <laughs> so you ended up actually working at a Harley Davidson dealership for a while, right? Yes, I did. Uh, so in 2007, um, I was just a year out of high school. I needed a part time job and I just basically I couldn't hack it at Walmart. I hated it. At Walmart was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, nope, forget it. And uh, my actually my aunt who she was divorced from my uncle. So she wasn't really my aunt anymore. But anyway, she got me the job at Harley. And I started working in their motor clothes department, you know, fitting people for leather jackets and helmets and boots, because there really is a science to choosing the right gear to go with your bike. Um but yeah, so I, I worked at Harley for a really long time, all the way through college and then a couple of years out. So I was probably six years at Harley. Um, and every once in a while, the guys would let me actually take one of the bikes out and ride around the parking lot a little bit. And that's when I got my endorsement. So I have my motorcycle license and all that, too. Wow. Look at you. So you're just like this. And this is why Leslie pointed out that we needed to have this conversation <laughs> like this. You like you find out so much about you when you are the one who's being interviewed, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like the listener. I don't know if what that sentence just made sense, but <laughs> I, I followed it. It's fine. Thank you. Thank you. I knew all of this about you because I'm friends with you, but the listening public probably didn't. And like learning more about people, like their passions outside of music, it explains their music. Mm -hmm. And you're like, again, whiskey rock. It makes total sense that you're a motorhead and a, a guitar, guitar and <laughs> a, a motorcycle enthusiast. Yeah. Um, and, and that like, that's also translated into your love of fixing guitars. Yeah. And like oh being gosh. a guitar tech and like knowing so like the mechanics behind every single instrument you play, which is a lot. It is. <laughs> Why lot. don't you just like list that off for everybody? <laughs> okay. Uh, so guitar, drums, bass, ukulele, little bit of piano. Um, and I could probably honk out some stuff on a recorder. <laughs> I think Probably any that. any human who's ever taken an elementary school music class should be able to hot cross buns on a recorder <laughs> should be able to. But I will tell you this, though, when it comes to wind instruments, I am absolute crap, absolute crap. I mean, anytime I try to make like a sound on a woodwind, it sounds like a dying duck. And <laughs> same same with like like I've tried trombone. Can't I can't trombone's supposed to be one of the ones that's easier to make a sound with. It's just it's harder to keep it in tune. Uh I can't make a sound on a trumpet to save my life. Can't do it. Or a French horn. Yeah, I I think I tried to play trumpet once because my brother was playing it. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it came out sounding like a dying duck. Yeah. Like that kind of situation. <laughs> yep. That's about it. That and like stringed instruments, not guitar. 
but like violin, viola, cello, I've tried them because I had friends who played them. Matt even played violin and his is here. And I've picked it up when he's not here because I didn't <laughs> want him to know. Um, and I've been like, <laughs> and scared Wally. <laughs> and it's fine. It's fine. But it's like when you find the instruments that work for you, like for you, guitar, bass, ukulele, and drums, those all make sense because those are all very rhythmic instruments. Yes. And so, and you've also learned how to like make them sound solid on their own too. Thank you. Yes, of course. So I I think it's so cool that you play all those instruments because it's just like, I can't play drums. I'm fairly (laughs) good at guitar. (laughs) I'm learning, but watching somebody who like is so good at them and it does have that passion. is just really fun because it translates to everybody else. We were talking about performing the other day and you truly are a performer, even though you're not like the front person necessarily every single time you're a true performer with your instrument. And it's really fun to watch. Well, thank you. I I just kind of get into the zone and I don't really think about what's what's happening in that moment. And my mom loves to make fun of me because she says that I make the worst guitar faces. (laughs) They're not the worst. You just have a stink face. (laughs) When. uh, okay, so when Meg and Lauren and I had to go play the basement together, we were rehearsing her stuff. And Meg Meg's got one of the best stink faces I think I've ever seen. And we're we're grooving on this one thing and I'm playing bass and she's like, you know, just make it stinky. (laughs) (laughs) Make it stinky. Make it stinky. And the whole rest of that rehearsal, I couldn't stop giggling because all I kept hearing was make it stinky. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, if you don't know Meg Williams yet, you will. Trust us. She's just like this tiny little blonde human who can shred the shit out of a guitar. Amen. I mean, so can you, Katie, but like you and her styles are very different. Right. Hers is very like blues driven and yours is very rockabilly driven. And also like you have all that classical training too, Mm -hmm. even though it's on drums, it translates to your guitar. Right. So does Meg have a music degree? She does. Actually, she has a degree in music therapy. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, well, we'll talk about that when she's on this episode, <laughs> she's <laughs> on her own episode, but, um, no, it's, it's very cool to watch you both. Cause you're both so talented and like you have different styles, but you both get way into it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everybody, every musician who's ever played anything with a little bit of stank in it has a stank face. It's true. Everybody's and got if you one. don't know what that means. Watch the backing musicians the next time you go to a show and you'll find out. Yep. All right, let's get back to you. Okay. So you've done some really cool stuff in your life um, that a lot of people like dream about doing. And one of those things was playing Carnegie Hall. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Oh my God, Aaron. So I vividly remember like right before the performances kicked off for that day, I, I remember being on this stage for our rehearsal and we were playing, um, well, we, I think we played maybe four pieces and, but the one that I was really biting my nails on was the Bacchanal from Camille Saint-Saëns, um, opera Samson and Delilah. Oh. And so the timpani piece that I was playing was like wicked, right? I don't know if you've ever heard that piece, but it is a hefty timpani part. And so we're, you know, 
we had just finished our rehearsal and I just kind of like, I'm standing there with my mallets looking at all of the seats and all of the lights thinking every major classical artist that I have ever studied has been on this stage. Yeah. And it was daunting. I, I mean, I just, I could just not move. I was just standing there with my timpani mallets, like, you know, and <laughs> my, my friend Lauren, who was in the percussion section with me, she's like, Hey, we got to get off the stage. Come on. What are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, right. We should go. And, and then when it came time to perform, like, it was probably one of the most magical experiences I think I've ever had on a stage. You know, I mean, we were in front of about a thousand people and, um, and a lot of them were other orchestras because it was basically like a festival for high school orchestras. And so it's these orchestras and their family members and friends and, and stuff. And I don't think that, I don't think that there's probably a whole lot of experiences that I could have that would ever top that because in that moment I felt like, you know, here I am a high school student. I was barely 18 playing on a stage where so many incredible musicians have gone before. It was just, it was very humbling. I didn't feel like I really deserved to be there because I knew, I knew what the weight of that venue is. You know, I mean, if you've studied, you know, Carnegie Hall and all the various different performers. I mean, not just classical musicians, but God, blues musicians, Billie Holiday. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. You know, to, to have set foot on the same stage as somebody like Billie Holiday, all I could think was, thank you God for this opportunity and for this memory that I'll never forget. I mean, I can close my eyes and still see that view from the stage. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I've never had the opportunity to go to Carnegie Hall, but it's definitely like a bucket list item. The bucket list item is to play. The one step below that is go. Because right. <laughs> right. so many people, that that venue is, it was one of the first acoustically perfect venues yep. um, in the country and in the world, really. Mm-hmm. Um and it was built so long ago that so many incredible musicians have played there. And to, to give you guys like an idea, of course, like I'm in Nashville, Katie, you're in Ohio, but everybody thinks of like the Ryman is acoustically perfect. Take that, multiply it by 10 and that's Carnegie Hall. And that's Carnegie Hall. That's, that's legit. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. I love the Ryman. It's an incredible venue, but Carnegie Hall has so much history because oh. it's, it's just older. It just is. Um, but man, I can only imagine until like hear you talking about it. Like I could feel that passion and I was getting goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, oh. If y'all don't know, if you've never gone to a solid orchestra concert or symphony concert, like I, I highly advise it even like going to an opera. Oh yeah. Uh, like I, I grew up singing classical music because that was what was available, right. especially when you're a music major. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but like singing it is really fun. Performing it is really fun. Watching other people do it and it just like swells within you. Hearing it in a venue like that, mm. it's just so incredible. It's it's a different experience and I highly recommend it to anybody. 
Yeah, it, it, you're right. It's a completely different experience. It's it's unlike anything that you will ever feel because there's, you know, and depending upon the size of the orchestra or even if you're, you know, going to watch a, a portion of an opera or something like that. I mean, good Lord, I, I remember going to, uh, when I was in England, I went to the Royal Albert Hall and I witnessed oh. the London Philharmonic perform the Hallelujah Chorus. Wow. Yeah. And here's the thing, you know, as a as a classical percussionist, I've played the Hallelujah Chorus a million effing times, <laughs> and it doesn't even compare to watching this London Philharmonic play Handel's Hallelujah Chorus. I will, I'll never wow. forget it. And and it, I mean, and then when I was in New York, you know, as a high schooler, we got to see the New York Philharmonic, and again, it, I mean. There's just something completely different because, and I, and I think a lot of it has to do with the amount of acoustic instruments that are on that stage and that sound, it hits you like a brick wall. It just, like, you can feel it in your chest because your chest is resonating with all of this sound that's coming at you. And it's, it's earth shattering. It is. And y'all, there's really like, there are minimal microphones on that stage. Oh yeah. There's if only any- a few to pick up like instrument or to pick up soloists and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, I mean, we could sit here and talk about classical music all day. We could <laughs> clearly like, <laughs> this is why Katie and I teach because we want to impart our passion and like help continue spread the love of all music. And hopefully that forms and helps mold the future generation. Yeah. Of, of not even like, you don't have to be a classical musician to be a musician, but man, it's really fun when you can appreciate it. Yeah. When you can appreciate <laughs> all forms of music. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get back to you and your music. So you <laughs> you mentioned going to England, and I know that you've mentioned your song got played on the radio. Not only that, but you've topped the Billboard Top 100 in a country chart in other countries in Australia, correct? Australia and Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So you're an international artist, basically. <laughs> I am. I am. And it's weird to think about it like that because, I mean, it's, it's not like I've, you know, gone to Canada or Australia, but with, uh, with going to England, that particular trip was, it was back in April of 2017. Um, I had just released my EP and so literally I did my EP release. I think it was like April 7th. The next day I hopped a plane and was on my way to England. So, um, Basically, this disc jockey in Chelmsford, England, his name is Carl Spall. He found Leslie and I's music, I think, via like Reverb Nation or something like that uh, in 2015 when we released our, our EP. And Carl and I became really good friends. He did a uh, like a, a video call with Leslie and I and... And then we just kind of kept up with each other. And he kept asking me, like, hey, when are you releasing new music? And so then finally I said, look, I've got this EP that I'm releasing in April. And he goes, what would it take to get you over here and to get you on the radio? And I'm like, um, a plane ticket? Because I, <laughs> I have family that live there or at least have a residence in Richmond, which is about 30 minutes outside of London proper. So basically my aunt and uncle were like, here's your plane ticket. Get out of here. And wow. so technically it was my aunt's ticket. Cause she and my uncle were going to go on a trip and she's like, Nope, 
you're going. And so I went with my uncle who is from England. And so he took me all around. I, I went to Chelmsford. I played on the radio and Carl had been playing the entire EP. He didn't just like do one song. He did a bunch of them. And then, um, and then I played around at a couple local pubs and enjoyed sightseeing. So that's, that's that trip in a nutshell, essentially. Lay down your guns and your signs Hush your mouths and close your eyes Listen to the sound of silence The deafening quiet caused by violence Stop the experience oh my god it was great it was fantastic it was so much fun and now what's hilarious is i actually have quite a few more friends that live there who move from the states to england so the next time i go i can be like hey help us book shows yeah really <laughs> right people so. i feel like people in england they i know they love country music oh my god i love but they love them some rockabilly too they love the classics too okay perfect example there was this little pub that was right across the street from our flat and i went in there on their open mic night it was a bunch of old white men and i felt real out of place because there wasn't a lady <laughs> in sight and nobody my age everybody was literally 65 and up okay <laughs> and they were playing johnny cash john denver buddy holly i mean all of this music and i'm like Okay, I lied. You're my people. Holy crap. You know, so I get up there with my little guitar and they're like, play some American music. And I'm like, okay, so I, I think I played I think I played an Elvis tune. Um, I probably did another Johnny Cash tune because I love Johnny Cash. And then right. I did a couple of my originals, too. And they were awesome. We had just the best time. Talked to a bunch of them afterwards. It was a lot of fun. That's so fun. What, yeah. We should set up like a music on the move Euro tour. Uh, it's so down. Are you kidding yeah. me? I've yeah. got I've got plenty of enough friends over there now that they could either help us get shows booked or at least point us in the direction of, you know, who to talk to. All right, world. We're putting it out. Universe, we're putting it out there. We want to do a tour. <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> me and Katie want yes. to go to Europe and tour around because that just sounds like so much fun. Oh my God. And I feel because like, the, the countries are so much smaller there that one, you can see a lot more in a lot less time. Truth. Two, yes. it's not as saturated as it is here. Right. Right. So well, and maybe you know, I'm wrong. Well, the, the thing is, it's like, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of American music that still gets played on like British airways and stuff, because when it comes to, when it comes to music, um, Europe, 
really looks to America for all of the like you know top forty stuff, and 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 that kind of shocked me because I'm over there thinking, oh, I'm gonna get to listen to a lot of British artists, and every time we went into a pub, it was American music. They were playing, you know, like um, uh, I'm drawing a blank already, but yeah, th- <laughs> it was a bunch of like top forty American stuff, and I'm thinking, well. Why why isn't there more Adele? Why isn't there like some Foy Vance? Why isn't there, you know, this person or that person? And um and as I had talked to one of those guys at the open mic, they're like, Yeah, everybody just kinda does what America does and listens to what you guys listen to. And I'm like, Well, that's kinda sad. I wish you would, you know, bolster up your own artists a little bit more. I wanna, you know, I wanna know more about these British artists that I have, you know, no clue about. And so I think, you know, I think with Going to Europe, especially too, if we were to do a tour, the nice thing is is that you can you can hop a train and be in Paris within like three hours. Yeah. So we could you know we could essentially book a bunch of shows in London, then we could go to Paris, then we could go to Ireland or even Scotland. Uh, you know, the land of my people. Yes. <laughs> the land of mine as well, for sure. That's so fun. So like we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier and then we got into the Euro tour, (laughs) but how did you get on billboard top 100 in Canada and Australia? Okay. So technically it wasn't me as an artist. It was me as a songwriter that was a part of this, this particular song. It's called crazy. And I wrote it with Daniel Todd and Bobby holiday in November of 2017, we went to a re- uh, retreat with Judy Stakey, who's been on the podcast. That's how I met Danielle and uh, and also how I met Jenny Teeter because Jenny Teeter was there. And so the first co-write that we got put into, we wrote this song. And awesome. yeah, oh my gosh. And everybody loved it. Judy was just like, "I there's nothing I want to change. Leave it. It's perfect. You guys did an amazing job. And so then after the retreat, Danielle was like, you know, I'm putting together a few songs and I'm thinking about releasing crazy as a single. And Bobby and I were like, go for it. So she put it out into the world. She put it in the international songwriting competition. She, I mean, she put it all over the place. And then, um, her PR firm, I believe they had ties to Australia. And then because Danielle's from Canada, that's, you know, one of the, reasons that she was able to get it onto the charts because she knows a lot of people there. She knows the right people to talk to. So when it finally charted in Canada, it charted at 35. Wow. Yeah. And then top 40. Yeah. Top 40. It was in the top 40. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And then I, and it stayed in that area around that 35 marker for about six months and and then after that, that's when it went, you know, it dipped a little bit below the top 40. And then in Australia, it hung out in the 30s, somewhere in there for for quite a long time. That's very cool. So I, I don't really take any credit, you know, other than the fact that I was a songwriter on that particular song. Danielle did a lot of the laid work and, you know, she she and her her boyfriend, Brady, they produced it together. He recorded it in his um home studio and he did all of the instruments drums guitars uh there was piano and i think even some banjo on there um but yeah they produced it together and then and then put it out into the world so i'm eternally grateful for that to say that i've had a uh top 40 you know uh song on canadian and australian country radio 
That's very cool. And you need to not sell yourself so short. If you hadn't have written, been a part of that songwriting process, that would not have happened. So <laughs> you can take credit because you literally helped to write it. Well, I, I definitely helped to write it. And it was, it was just a, it was one of those songs where it was done in 45 minutes. Oh, that's fun. Start to finish done in 45 minutes. So we, we spent the rest of our, our time. Cause I think we had, I think we had two, no, we had three hours to get this song written. So we spent the rest of our time putting in harmonies and just joking around, having a great time with each other. I mean, uh, 45 minutes and we wrote that song and it's, it's one of my, it's one of my prouder songs. I just, I love it. And I love the fact that I got to write it with Danielle and Bobby because they, in their own right, they're wonderful songwriters. Oh my God. You will of course put a link to this song in the show notes. Of course. Of course. All right. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, mom. <laughs> You're welcome, honey. <laughs> <laughs> so you've also like you've done a lot of cool projects. Mm-hmm. Never mind that, like, I mean, not to like diminish that accomplishment. You've played Carnegie Hall, you've topped charts in Canada, Australia, you've played in England. Now you can call yourself a film composer. Yeah. Yeah. I- so like the list doesn't end, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's it, that's that's so weird to think about it like that too, because that was an accident. I will be completely honest with you; it was an accident. Um, so, Christina Grozik, she was working on this documentary that was completely and one hundred percent dedicated to sound and the effects that it has on the human brain and the body. And she asked Leslie and I if she could record us at a concert and we said well yeah let's just let's do just like a a private little vip concert that way you guys can record as many takes as you want and you know it'll be it'll be a lot of fun for our fans so we recorded a little concert and i just figured okay you know i'll just you know have a little performance in this documentary and that'll be it you know just b-roll footage really and i think I just mentioned to her like, Hey, if you need me to write any music for you, let me know. I can, you know, I can compose music and record it and all that stuff. And she was like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Didn't hear from her for a year. And, (laughs) and then COVID happened, the shut, it, it literally the shutdown happened in March. And, um, I got a phone call, I think maybe a month later. And she said, Hey, is that offer still on the table? And I was I said, well, sure, you know, absolutely. And so she and her business partner, Paul, they sent me a few cuts of, you know, some of the footage. (gasps) Wally, hello. Um, So, yeah, they sent me a a few cuts of the footage that they wanted me to write for. And I wrote, like, I think I wrote three songs in that one weekend and just gave them, like, rough demos of, like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And they're like, oh, wow, wow. Uh, we love all of this. Can we keep it all? I'm like, well, yeah, just, you know, let me remix and <laughs> all that stuff. And so they, they ended up loving those three songs so much that they wanted me to do more. And so I ended up in total, I wrote about 16 songs, um, 10 to 12 of which got used. And That's awesome. yeah. And, and it, it was all various genres. There was like, I had to write, kind of like this jazzy little tune where I took brushes to my cajon and actually like, you know, like played brushes on the cajon so that it would have kind of a snare drum sound to it. 
Um, and then I, I wrote this really sweet rock tune that they didn't end up using, which is fine because my friend Josh and I ended up putting words to it and we're going to use it uh, and hopefully release that song later um, next year. It's called Calamity's Child, but it's got this like harder rock um, David Bowie feel to it. Like, do you know the song Rebel Rebel? Yes. Okay. It's very much like Rebel Rebel because they told me, hey, we want this particular scene to have this David Bowie rock feel. So that's what I wrote it for. I just wrote an instrumental for it, but then they didn't, they wanted to use something else. So Josh was like, I've got lyrics. I'm like, cool, go for it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. So is this documentary coming out anytime soon? It has been released, actually. Oh. Um, it's on. I know that you can stream it on iTunes. You can stream it on, I believe, Amazon Prime and YouTube. Uh, they're still in the process of getting like a major distributor to pick it up. For a, a hot minute, Netflix was was almost there, but they didn't jump the gun because they had another project in the works that they were like, oh, wait, we can't release both of these or something to that effect. I don't really know the particulars. Yeah. But but yes, it is um, it is. Uh, out there in the world and links will also be in the show notes for that too hey that's Um, really exciting and what a cool experience for you to do something like that you've never done and it was just kind of like oh yeah sure why not yeah because it's really how you learn if you can do something or not exactly especially in like in the music industry when somebody asks you if you can do something the answer is almost always yes whether or not you actually know um in case y'all are hearing something a little funky the head of HR hopped into my lap. <laughs> His name is Wally and he's a cat. Um, he, he likes to hop up when Katie and I are on Zoom meetings. Every time, it seems. It's, it, it happens during my voice lessons too. My, my students have learned to ignore it. Uh, I, I just love it. Like I just randomly all of a sudden see a cat tail just like pull up into the frame. And I'm like, oh, it's Wally. Yeah. If y'all are watching this on YouTube or Instagram <laughs> later, you'll get a good laugh because you'll know exactly when it happens. Yep. Um, anyway, that, gosh, you've just done so much and you're still doing more. Yeah. So you have, what song are you playing? Tell us a little bit more about the song that you've added to this episode. Uh, so I decided that I wanted to do Choose Love. Because I feel that one is just timeless, and it's it's also one of those songs that I don't think I'll ever get tired of playing either. And it's and it's not one of those things where like you know how you're going through some trauma and you're trying to write it out, and you know there's it's a specific experience. Yeah. And then when you're done with it, you kind of want to put it away, and you don't really need to play it that much anymore. Choose Love is not that song. This is a song that I think will will continue to live on for years and years and years. And it's also one of the songs that has meant a lot to a lot of my fans. So whenever I play this solo or whenever Leslie and I play it together, someone always ends up coming up to me and saying, thank you for writing this because this is exactly what the world needs. And you know, and I think that's super powerful. And it's just, it's so wonderful when, when fans come up to you and they tell you about how your music has moved them and they can't stop listening to it because it just, it touched something in their soul, you know? And that is the response that I get a lot with Choose Love. And, um, I wrote it, uh, when the Ferguson shootings happened, um, 
it was one of those things I was, I was literally like trying to process what had just happened and why it had happened. And I couldn't, I, I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. So I just, I started writing I basically just kind of like started free writing on a piece of paper. And all of a sudden these words started coming out and, and I grabbed my guitar and I plugged it in and I started just you know, putting the melody on the loop and I was bawling my eyes out as I was, you know, writing and singing this. And it was probably one of the most therapeutic things I think I could have ever done. It was, it was a really hard thing to do just to cry that hard and to try to sing and to try to just get it out. But when I finally did, and then I went into the studio with uh, Mark Abrams, who's my producer on that EP, he was just like, man, I think you really, really hit the nail on the head with this one. He said, this is, this is a song for everyone. Yeah. That's, and sometimes, unfortunately, that's how the best songs come out from tragedy, but it is a very important song. And I think, especially as songwriters in this day and age, it's important for us to write the songs about how we're actually feeling about what's going on in the world. Cause a lot has happened in the last two years. Yeah. And especially in the last like five years yeah. um, for, for us, especially at our age, cause we're millennials, we're elder millennials. Elder millennials now, as Eliza would say. Right. Um, and all of this has kind of happened in our, our early adulthood lives. And it's the first time we're on our own and we're watching this happen. And this has kind of shaped us as adults. Right. And it's shaped us not only like in our personal lives, but in our musical lives and in our creative lives. And I think it's just as important to write the songs that help you hatch out your feelings and process your feelings about things happening in the world as it is to write songs about, you know, your family history or about... (laughs) Because you have uh, uh, Mac, not Mackie the Knife. Mac, you Day. have Mac Day. Yeah. That's right. I love that song. That's great. You have about Frollo, your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I forgot not, about that conversation. <laughs> oh my gosh, that that's a different story for a different time. You guys, it is. It but is. my point is, like, it's just as important to write those songs as it is to write the other songs about like love or about something funny that happened or about drinking, like about drinking all, all of the, right. All of the songs are important to write. And I think that's a good message for young songwriters to hear. Cause I don't want, especially with uh, our students. Cause we do deal with young songwriters. Mm-hmm. They, we want them to write what they're feeling, not necessarily what they think needs to be written. Yeah. Yeah. So I am very happy that you are playing choose love on this because it's such a great song well thank you and i remember the first time you played it for me back when we were doing women on fire wednesdays over the live stream era of 2020 oh my god yeah and (laughs) i think that was one of the first instagram lives what a struggle those were but (laughs) i remember sitting and going wow this is good this is really good thank you of course yeah that's uh that's one of those songs where it just it's like i said i mean I've had a lot of people come up to me and just tell me what that song means to them. And, and it's, it's beautiful every time, you know, I, I love that. I love when I get to, to talk to people who listen to the music and just hear what it means to them, not even specifically, you know, me talking about what it means to me, you know, I would rather hear 
the listener's take on it because that's that's why I wrote it. It wasn't just I wasn't just writing it for me in that moment when I needed to process. I was writing it because I felt like I needed to say something to people about all this hate and how it's pointless. You know, I mean, I think I think a lot of times we forget to just to quote my own song. We forget to hush our mouths and close our eyes, you know, and just listen and think and feel what somebody else is feeling exactly i think i think a lot can be said from that line yeah (laughs) not just in music but just like in life it's good life advice tis (laughs) on that note friend i think we have come to the end and it's been so fun for me to interview you (laughs) (laughs) well thank you you're a fantastic interviewer i i've had a wonderful time and uh, and it's, it is weird to have the tables kind of flipped on you a little bit, but it's also, it's also really nice to talk about my music. Cause I don't get to do that a whole lot. Um, you know, unless I'm at a show or, or whatnot, it's, it's never just me. It's always myself and Leslie, which is wonderful. I love that. And she's, she's so much better at talking than I am. I'm just, I'm like, I'm going to stay here with my little guitar. <laughs> <laughs> You're much better at it than you think you host a podcast. I do. I do. And I love it. I love hosting this podcast. It is a joy and a privilege to to get to talk to all the artists that I have. And, you know, we just did your interview and that was so much fun. I just, you know, it, it's wonderful to be able to sit here and connect with people and really dig into their music. So thank you for doing that to me. I appreciate of it. Of course. You deserve it, friend, just as much <laughs> as everybody else. And This is super fun for me. And where can people find you? Now it's time for your shameless plug. Yes, uh, you can find me at Katie Thompson Music, C-A-I-T-I-E, because I'm weird and blame my mother. That's a whole story about my name, but we'll get, you know, later time. Well, you know what? (laughs) I'll bring her on the podcast and I'll make her explain it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, How funny would that be? <laughs> oh, it'd be hilarious. So, Katie Thompson Music. You can also find uh, Leslie and I at luckypennysisters.com. And it's Katie Thompson Music on all the socials. And soon, Paradox Jukebox will have its own uh, Instagram. We do have a Twitter. So, it's uh, Paradox Jukebox. But yeah, and then come find me at musiconthemovestudios.com. There you go. We want to thank you guys for hanging out with us and listening to us, uh, listening to Katie's backstory, but also listening to our shenanigans week after week. We really appreciate it. We do. And we will see you guys next time. And I won't be here. (laughs) Well, thank you for taking over the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me do that, Katie. Thanks for letting me share your story with everybody. Of course. Bye, friends.
Well, there you have it, friends. That is the end of season one. That is episode 30. Thank you so much, Aaron, for hosting today. I appreciate it. And I hope everybody enjoyed Choose Love. It's just one of those songs that everybody needs in the world, I think. So please make sure to check out the show notes. And also, too, remember, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And we will absolutely put your name into a drawing for a grab bag. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. We cannot wait to come back in season two. We have some amazing interviews for you. I've been working real hard, so I think season two is going to be the best yet. So until next season, everybody take care of yourselves. Be good to one another and happy holidays.